Morning. I think I'm on. I'm on. Testing one, two, three. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Hey, uh, before we dig into God's Word and uh, get this morning's message, there's two things I want to highlight in the, in the bulletin real quick. First of all, June 2nd, I believe, is Sunday. Todd Gong, author of uh, Lead for God's Sake, is going to be here Sunday morning preaching. And um, July 21st, I believe, is the other Sunday. Mark Cahill is going to be here preaching. He's an evangelist from down in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, both uh, great men of God, both authors, uh, sharing a lot of great stuff in their books. And they're going to be here. I told you we're committed to talking about discipleship and evangelism. So we're going to kick it into gear with a couple great people coming in to help us as we do this. And I want to make sure we highlight that. We'll talk more about it as we go. Uh, but today, today, happy Mother's Day. Uh, this, this Mother's Day, I have read this, moms are getting more love than last year, believe it or not. Sometimes uh, even from those who aren't their children. According to what I read, 92% of Americans... Uh, plan to celebrate Mother's Day this year, according to the survey by uh, Brand Keys. This is what uh, the Brand Keys founder, President Robert uh, Paskoff, said. He goes, this is your mom you're talking about. You will definitely take care of her. And then surveys went on to show that consumers are buying gifts also for sisters, for daughters, stepmothers, mother-in-laws, and for daughters and friends and so forth and so on. So Kathy Granis, uh, spokeswoman for the National Retail Federation, said, Especially in recent years, holidays have really become more sentimental than just purely discretionary celebrations. I think for some families, celebrating all the women in their life makes sense. So acknowledging all these other women then means spending more money. So what they discovered is that these three different surveys came together to estimate that between 17 and $20 billion is going to be spent this weekend on moms and other women. So... There are some uh, overarching economic concerns uh, that, you know, they said you got to take care of mom on Mother's Day, uh, but it's, it's a part of the celebration. So all these surveys and people are saying, are saying what? Same thing that we're going to say this morning, that is this. We need to take care of the women in our life. And I think that's what all these surveys are trying to say. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is that you ladies have value. Please understand that. God created you in his image with greatness. So much different than us men. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, but God created you with incredible value. Please hear that from me. Please hear that from God's word. I don't think we need surveys. I don't think you need to know how much money is being spent on women all around the world today to know that truth. Um, that should have brought at least one amen from one woman in this crowd. I, I would have thought... <laughs> Uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew. First book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 15. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We will bring one to you. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, we have this incredible passage about Jesus. It's a very unusual encounter with this Canaanite mother. She's called a Gentile, but her background is that of being a Canaanite. It's a non-typical passage that would be preached on Mother's Day. So this passage, it's, it's not just for the moms, it's for all the women, okay? So ladies, this is with you in mind, that God's laid upon my heart, but also men, as I always say, do not tune out. Please, do not tune out. This is for everybody, okay? Matthew chapter 15, and we are going to start in verse 21. Verse 21. Let's read. 
Jesus then left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter has a demon in her and it's severely tormenting her. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to leave, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then he said to the woman, I was sent only to help the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not the Gentiles. But she came and worshipped him and pleaded again, Lord, help me. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs, Jesus said. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even dogs are permitted to eat crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. Woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what incredible words you have from your scripture, words that your Holy Spirit inspired men to write so many years ago. Words so relevant to today, but yet, Lord, sometimes we get caught in translation, we get caught in our own interpretation, we get caught in, in our, what's going on in our lives that we miss what you want to tell us. So, Lord, we ask that you do open the eyes of our heart today, that we hear your Spirit speak to us through your Scripture, through your words, and not mine. In thy name we pray, amen. Well, this Scripture should be interesting, huh? All right, let's get into this, and let's get a few facts straight as we discover this. This Gentile woman was a Canaanite. And if you remember from the Old Testament that, when the, that these people were the enemies of Israel. When the children of Israel left Egypt, they were going to the Promised Land. And when they went to the Promised Land with Joshua, they were supposed to completely destroy the Canaanites. Not one was supposed to be left. Okay? But obviously they did not do this. So this passage begins with the significance that the gospel... The good news, salvation, was not just for the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. It was going to break all barriers. Well, it's not just for one set of people. This is for everybody. Okay? So here's the first thing you need to hear about this. This was going out to the whole world. Not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Not just to men, but to women. If we were go back in those days, a couple thousand years ago, ladies, you had no rights in the world. You had no rights in the world. You're nothing but, but a piece of property. That's who you were. And Jesus started to change things around as he came around saying, no, you have value. And the gospel, the good news, is not just for man, but for women. The gospel is not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. The, God is not, the, the gospel is not just for the rich, but it's also for the poor. The gospel is for everybody. So this passage right here is so big and breaking all the barriers. And then this gentle woman is, is coming to a Jew. Someone she believes to be powerful, and she makes an incredible request. Again, something that should not be happening. Somebody of her stature, of who she is, should not be coming to Jesus, but she does. And what she's going to say to Jesus, she should not be saying to Jesus, but she does. Okay? Here's another thing we learn in this passage. That demon possession just isn't a Hollywood idea to make money. Okay? It was for real, and it was not pretty. It was tormenting. The Greek words here actually mean grievously vexed with a demon. Okay. In other words, this girl, this daughter was tormented. She was miserable. She was being destroyed and perishing. Those are tough words, but that's what it means. 
it just wasn't, you know, we watch Hollywood and you see these movies about demon possession and it's, you just make life. You have to understand, when a demon possessed a person, it destroyed them to the point of perishing. And the worst part of it was, was the complete separation from God. It's a horrible thing. Horrible thing. So get this picture, picture, get this passage, understand this. This mom comes to Jesus in a hopeless and helpless situation. Her daughter's passing away. Her daughter is perishing before her sight. Her daughter is out of control. There's nothing that this mom can say or do to help her daughter live a normal, carefree life that she always dreamed of her little daughter to be. And it's driving her mother to the point of desperation. And when a mom is desperate, what happens? Anything, right? Moms, you would do anything for your children. So in this hopeless, helpless situation, barriers are broken and she comes asking for help. So let's take note of a few things here about Jesus because we understand the situation, but then you start to read the story and you have to say, what is going on with Jesus? God's son, full of compassion, full of hope and joy and peace. And what does he do? Let's look at this. If you're like me, when you first read this passage, it brings a little confusion. When you read verse 23, what does it say? But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Now let's, re- let's remember something here. This is Jesus, God's son, who knows all things. He already knows, one, that he was going to this area. Two, that it, he was going to run into this, this woman. He knew what her request was going to be. He knew the background of this woman. He knew what was going on with her daughter. He knew the day her daughter was born. He knew the struggles that she would have, the joys, the celebrations, and she knew the pain in this mom's heart. He knew it all. You know, I think we would all relate, especially parents, that when something happens to your child, you're sitting there going, God, don't you know? God goes, yes, I know. You have to remember, I love your child more than you. That's hard for us to remember sometimes. But here's Jesus standing by this woman, already knowing what's going on in her heart, already loving her daughter more than she can love her daughter. And she comes and begs this request, and Jesus doesn't even say one word. It's a little confusing, isn't it? She's a Gentile, right? So maybe that's the issue, because, you know, the Samaritan woman coming to Jesus, well, salvation is from the Jews, according to John chapter 6, right? Maybe Jesus was testing her faith. Maybe Jesus was strengthening her faith. Maybe Jesus wanted to highlight, to bring to attention that I do hear the prayer of the Gentiles. Maybe that's what it was. I mean, there's all kinds of thoughts here as to what's going on. But when Jesus does respond, what he says is baffling. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus says to the woman, I was sent here only to help God's lost sheep. The people of Israel translation, I'm not here for you. Right? That's what, that's what we hear. Look at verse 26. Jesus responded a second time. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Translation, you're the dog. Wow, what is up with Jesus? First he's quiet, doesn't say anything. And then he says, oh, salvation's for the Jews. Right? Right? Oh, and it's supposed to be the table here where we all dine together. And the scraps maybe for the dogs. No. You calling her a dog? I mean... What is going on? You know, these words seem so harsh coming from Jesus. But did you see her response then? 
She said, in her response to the whole dog comment, verse 26, she said, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Well, now, she sort of took that play of words, and she sort of had fun with it. This mother was so creative in what she said to Jesus. Now, let me back up here. Um, gentlemen, kids, do you ever hear your mom say creative things in those moments? Like, where did that come from? Where did mom come up with that saying? I mean, like, you know, did you ever hear your mom say, who do you think you are? And did as a kid, didn't you ever sit there and go, you gave birth to me? Don't you know who I am? Why are you asking this, mom, right? Or uh, I'm sure you can uh, remember this one. Go ask your father. And what is, what, what, that's quickly followed by what? Go ask your mother, right? By the father? Yeah. Uh, bored? How can you be bored? I was never bored at your age. You ever hear this one? I'll treat you like an adult when you start acting like an adult. You heard that one before? How about this? Look at me when I'm talking to you. You heard that one? Quickly followed by what? Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> Not sure where to go with my eyes, Mom. Okay. Now, how about this one? Okay, just go ahead and pick whatever, whatever child you hung out with or whatever child your children hang out with and just insert their name here. I don't care if so-and-so's mom says yes. You heard that one before? Or if Johnny jumped off that cliff, would you jump off that cliff? Heard that one before? I'm going to let you guys finish this one, okay? I'm going to give you to the count of... Very good. See, you all heard that from your mom, right? How about you put your eye out with that thing? Did you ever hear that one from your mom? Don't put it in your mouth. You know where that's been? No, we don't. Um, we don't know where it's been. Uh, don't cross your eyes like that. Why? Because someday they'll end up staying that way. We've heard that one, yep. Okay. I don't care who started it. I'll finish it, right? How about this one? Why? Because I said so. That's why. For that one? Let me give you two more. Okay, I'm going to let you finish these off for me. If you can't say something nice, don't. So don't say anything at all. Awesome. Okay. I know it's not fair, but life isn't fair. Yeah, see, moms, we got you down. Okay? <laughs> we know all you're saying is but still, you'll come out with some very creative ones. And so, you know, I was thinking about these, these great mom comebacks and responses. This mom had a great comeback and response. Quick-witted. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, what did, what did Jesus say? Let's go back and read this again. Okay. Verse uh, 26. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs are permitted to eat crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. Do you think the disciples were sort of stepping back from this going, what is that? What are they talking about? That was really good. Now let me, let me share something with you. Theologian Barclay reminds us of a couple things here. First, the tone and the look with which a thing is said makes all the difference. He goes on to say this, a thing which seems hard can be said with a disarming smile. We can be quite sure that the smile on Jesus' face and the compassion in his eyes rob these words of all insults and bitterness. Because, you know, when we read this, we're sitting there going, it sounds sort of harsh. But do you think as Jesus said this, his eyes and his tone were different than maybe what we're reading? That's why when you text, you Facebook, you email, you write a letter, a note, that's why it's so hard to interpret because you can't see their eyes, you can't hear their tone. And it's quick to misjudge the words that are said. And as we get into Scripture sometimes, that happens. The word used for dog here was not wild dogs of the street or something horrible. 
it was actually a house pet. Now, which is almost like a play of words then, because this woman caught on to it, which she then talked about grabbing the scraps from underneath the table, because that would have been a family pet, right? But it's still not a nice word, right? To many of us, we're sitting there saying, well, what was this going on then? Let me tell you what's going on. The Gentiles were considered dogs. They were just worthless. They were nothing. And what Jesus is doing here is as she's begging for help, this Gentile woman, he's just emphasizing something that was common knowledge to everybody. Basically saying, oh, you know, I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile. So it's like a person talking to a dog. You do get that, don't you? That you're coming to me now, begging, 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 like a dog wanting a piece of food. You do understand what's going on. And so what he was doing was announcing to his audience, hey, you all get this right now, that her status is very low. You get this? She's not just hopeless and helpless. We don't even want to touch her because she's a Gentile. He's just making sure everybody around caught this. Everybody got that? Good. Because that's what's talked about throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 11 to 12. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it has affected only their bodies and not their hearts. But in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You didn't know the covenant promises of God. You lived in a world without God and without hope. Those were the Gentiles. No citizenship. You were worthless. You were without God. You were without hope. That's what Paul says. That's what is said in here. And in this situation, it wasn't meant to degrade her. It was to show her the comparison of a nation's attitude towards women and towards Gentiles and a Savior's compassion. Jesus says, I just want to make sure you all get it. That's what this nation believes, right? Now let me step in and tell you how it's supposed to be. And then he showed compassion on this woman. She was deemed hopeless and helpless. And I don't know how many of you have felt that way. I'm going to guess all of us. At some point in time in our lives, we have felt hopeless. We have felt helpless. Maybe you felt cut off from God. Some of you, maybe you feel ashamed of your children's condition. Whether it's spiritual, emotional, intellectual, physical, you look at your child and you just feel like, I don't know what happened. I feel like a failing parent. I thought I've done everything I can to raise my child, but yet they've not succeeded here. They've not succeeded there. They have failed here. They've been hurt here. It just, what am I doing as a parent, God? Do you ever feel that way, parents? Hopeless becomes your middle name, and when hopeless becomes your middle name, guess who's tagging right behind it? Helpless. They all seem to be attached uh, alongside of each other at times. And the amazing thing is this woman, at this point in time, she's looking at her daughter. There's nothing she can do for her demon-possessed daughter. She is spiritually gone off. And because of that, she is physically withering away. And she feels now not only hopeless, but helpless. But yet, she has faith. And here's the amazing thing. She didn't just have faith. She had great faith. She had massive faith. When you read this scripture, take a look at this. Let's all look at this together again. Look at verse 28. Woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. 
he established to everybody, hey, this is how the nation, this is how the world looks at Gentiles. Okay, but let me tell you something about this woman. As he probably now looked her eyeball to eyeball and said, woman, your faith is great. Probably just smiled big. Her heart probably melted. And he said, your quest is granted. Can you imagine? Boom, just like that, her daughter's healed. The demon's gone. She's no longer perishing and tormented. There's such relief. There's such joy. Her daughter was instantly healed. Your faith is great. Your faith is great. You know, I look at that and think about that. Regardless of her past, regardless of her present condition, she looked to Jesus with a measurable amount of faith and hope. Regardless of, I don't know, I don't even know the salvation Jesus talked about, but I've heard things. Her, her past was probably a wreck. Her current circumstances weren't good. And she said, I've got to put my faith somewhere. And so she took this faith and mustered it up and gave it all to Jesus. And he recognized it. And it's the only place in Matthew where great and faith are combined together. Read through Matthew. It's the only place they're put together. Great's often used through Matthew. Matter of fact, there's 190 times it's used in the New Testament where it's great, 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 okay? But never anywhere else like this in Matthew. Matter of fact, the word is used to describe when the joy on the, uh, the people's hearts, when they saw the star when Jesus was born. There was great joy when they saw the star. There was, there was great joy. Uh, it talks about being a great light that Jesus was to a dark nation. So it describes Jesus and how he came into a world that was really messed up. Great was used again and talk about the power of the storms that came upon the disciples at sea. But great was never used in response to faith. It's up here in Matthew in this situation. Great faith. Now, another area where it talks about great was uh, where this faith was mentioned was this woman and a centurion in Matthew chapter 8 where they were publicly praised for their faith in Jesus. These are only two places. This Gentile woman and a centurion, their faith was publicly praised by Jesus. Does anybody ever remember reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and hearing about the disciples and how Jesus like, did you see my disciples and how great a faith they have? Read through it, see if you can find it, okay? But here, he talks about this Gentile woman and a centurion and publicly praises them. And we have to ask that question. What made this woman's faith so great? And what would help her get through the re- to meet Jesus regardless of this barrier that is there? So I want to back up and rephrase this again. What can we learn about the faith of this woman? I would imagine that every woman in this room wants to be a godly woman. We want to grow up in the faith, in the trust, in the hope, of a mighty God. And then when people look at you, people see a godly woman, not a worldly woman, but a godly woman. And so ladies, I want to share with you three important things about faith here. Men, stay tuned in. Because this applies to us as well. Okay? First of all, here's the, here's the first thing I want you to see. Her faith was in Jesus. That's important to hear. In Jesus. Okay? Let me hear you say, her faith was in Jesus. You need to remember this. Her faith was in Jesus. Note that she calls him Lord and son of David. 
those were terms, especially son of David, which meant Messiah to the people. When you heard son of David, people knew right away, this is the son of God coming to save us, the Messiah, the one we've talked about throughout Scripture and has been uh, prophesied. Understand this. Genuine biblical faith requires content, agreement with content, and trust in Christ. Okay? Let me say this again. Genuine biblical faith requires content, agreement in contact, content, and trust in Jesus Christ. Let me help you understand this. This woman knew who Jesus was. That's content. I know who that guy is. That's Jesus. I've heard about him. That's the content, okay? Then there has to be an agreement with content, which was this woman believed that Jesus could help her by healing her daughter. That's agreement in content. Then the third part is the trust in Jesus Christ. She had to go to him, bow before him, place her faith in Jesus, not in the disciples of Jesus, not in who she was, but in Jesus. Okay, so you have all three. You have the content, content and agreement, or I'm sorry, agreement with content and trust in Jesus. Now, again, to help you understand this a little better, it's this, let's put this in the terms today. Your cars broke down. Okay? So let's, let's, let's understand this. First of all, I'm sorry for you that your car broke down, but you've got to acknowledge this, that your vehicle needs help and you need somebody to fix it. Okay? That's content. Broken down car, somebody to fix it. Okay? So you, you then make the appointment. Okay? So that's agreement in content because I, my car's broke down, I need somebody to fix it. This guy can fix it, so I'm going to call him. Okay? Content, I agree in content with it. Everybody follow me so far? trying to make this as simple as possible, okay? But here's the thing. If I never show up for the appointment, my car doesn't get fixed. I didn't completely put my trust in the content. I can talk about Jesus all I want to, I'm blue in the face. And I can believe that Jesus can do mighty things, and I can talk about his word. But if I don't trust it, it don't matter. Understand? This woman believed in Jesus, believed what Jesus could do. But until she went to Jesus and got on her knees before Jesus, that's when the change took place. Change is not going to take place with us just because we talk about Jesus and believe that Jesus can do great things. It's when we then place our faith in Jesus. That's when it all changes. That's when your car gets fixed, when you actually show up with it at the mechanic. Okay? So in the same way, spiritually speaking, as I'm saying here, we must place our faith in Jesus. Let me hear you say, in Jesus. Look at the person next to you and say, in Jesus. All right. Here's the second thing you need to know about this situation. She appealed to Jesus solely on the basis of his mercy. Look at the person next to you and say, it's about his mercy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Asking for mercy. Look at, she, she, let's go back to the scripture again. Okay. She came to him begging. Look what it says in verse 22. A woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me. She didn't come to him saying, hey, Jesus, I'm super mom. Hey, Jesus, look at how I keep my house clean. Hey, Jesus, I wash all the dishes and I get all the clothes clean all the time. I'm super mom. Hey, Jesus, I'm carpool queen, okay? Hey, Jesus, I've got this title. I've got this, you know, award. Hey, Jesus, she didn't come with all of that. She didn't claim her good works, her long hours, her chores. She didn't claim any kind of entitlement that deserved a break. 
I'm entitled to a carefree life because of this. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know my last name? Don't you know my daddy? I'm entitled to this. Don't you know I'm a senior? Well, you know, I'm a senior, so I start, right? That's entitlement that we, we claim a lot of areas. Well, I'm the boss of so-and-so, so I'm entitled to this. She didn't do that. She didn't hold up any awards, titles, position, authority to Jesus. She didn't make any demands. It wasn't good works. It wasn't accomplishments. It wasn't entitlement. She came to Jesus and said, have mercy on me. I'm just bringing you me. I don't deserve any of this. Ephesians 2.8.9 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for it. It's what? It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things that we've done so we can boast about it, right? It's the mercy and the grace of God that we have what we have. So she, first of all, placed her faith in Jesus and then she appealed to Jesus solely on the basis of mercy. She didn't come to Jesus saying, I deserve this, Jesus. What are you doing with my kids? What are you doing with my family? She went to Jesus saying, I don't deserve anything. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on my daughter. Here's the third thing. She was persistent. Let me hear you say persistent. Look at the person next to you and say, keep going. That's what it is. Just keep going. Verse 23, she kept crying out after him with a loud voice. She came to Jesus even though it was annoying to the disciples. Read that. Read that. Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Verse 23, it says, Then his disciples urged him, Send her away. Tell her to leave. She's bothering us with all her begging. You know what that means? It wasn't, Jesus, can you help me? No, not saying anything. And that was it. No, she just kept asking and asking and asking and asking to the point where the disciples were like, Jesus, say something, do something, send her off. This is getting old, okay? Verse 25, it says, Then she came and she worshipped him. It says in some translations, She knelt before Jesus and worshipped him. And I'm not sure if you've ever read through the Gospels, but pay attention to the process of kneeling, of lowering yourself, of humbling yourself. You'll never find one religious leader, one Pharisee, one Sadducee ever kneel before Jesus. Never. Matter of fact, you don't hear much about the disciples kneeling but you'll always hear people who are in great need falling before Jesus on their knees. Verse 28, she keeps the conversation going. She just keeps it rolling. Jesus makes that comment. What does he say? It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She could have stopped there and said, you're right. But no, she goes, ah, oh, but Lord. And she kept on with her comment. She kept the conversation going. She was persistent. And this persistent wasn't demanding, it was a surrendering. It wasn't about arguing with rights and differences. It was recognizing, I have a need, and God, you're my only source for help. And you humbly submit to his lordship. So let's, let's re re review this real quick. Faith must be in Jesus, okay? Faith is mercy-based, and it must be persistent. So what am I saying to all of us this morning? We need to recognize that our faith has to be in Jesus. Not just about the content or agreement with content, but in Jesus. And it has to be mercy-based. We have to come to him, not demanding it. We deserve nothing. But to understand that we have to humbly go before him and understand it's his mercy. 
and then we need to be persistent. You know, this is a great story, but what does this have to do with us besides what I've already shared with you, okay? I'm going to just say this, okay? Everything, okay? What does this have to do with us? Everything. Everything. More specifically, faith is for you. Faith is for me. Repeat after me. Faith is for me. Faith is for me. John Riley said this, It is grace, not place, which makes people believers. It is grace, not place, that makes people believers. In other words, don't ever think it's too late to come to faith in Jesus Christ because of how old you are or where you are or where you've been. Our age, our status does not determine our place in God's kingdom. This Gentile mother seems so distant, so far from God. Her place, there's no way, no way. But she was closer than most people will ever be because of the grace of God. Faith is for all of us. Don't ever look at somebody and count them out. For those of you that have a child, a parent, a relative that says, I don't know if they'll ever come to Jesus, don't count them out. Faith is for them as well as it is for you. Don't ever give up on them. Don't ever give up on your children. Don't ever give up on your parents. Don't ever give up on your aunts, uncles, cousins. Don't give up on people. Putting them in, well, look how they dress. Look what kind of background they come from. Look at the the kind of place they've been. It's not about the place. It's about the grace. Faith is for you and I. Here's the second thing. Be encouraged to come to Jesus. Be encouraged to come to Jesus. You think your life is messed up? You think you're too sinful? Well, if Gentile dogs can come to Jesus, so can you and I. So can you and I. Jew or Gentile, it didn't matter. Holy or unholy, it doesn't matter. Church or unchurched, it doesn't matter. Poor or rich, listen, abused or loved, it doesn't matter. You can come to Jesus. Surrounded by people or alone, whether you're guilt-driven or guilt-free, you can come to Jesus. Be encouraged to come to Jesus. You know, after looking at um, Scripture, I was reading some other places, Jesus was just looked at the city that refused to believe him. He'd gone in and he had shared his teachings and his disciples had shared, and the people rejected Jesus and his people. And Jesus stepped outside that city and he looked at them and he prayed, and then he looked at his disciples and he said this, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then Jesus said this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry burdens. I'll give you rest. You feeling helpless this morning? You feeling hopeless this morning? Jesus says, come here. Come to me. Be encouraged, my friends, to go to Jesus with everything. Everything. And to come to Jesus, you have to humble yourself. To humble yourself means you have to admit a couple things. And this is a tough one. You have to admit you're not in control. Okay? You aren't always right. Now, ladies, being a mom sometimes gives you the sense that you have to be in control and that you have to be right, and that you have to know everything, you have to do everything, you have to fix everything, because you're the mom, right? I know you're not going to agree with me, because you're right and I'm wrong right now. So, um, 
But I read this about mothers by Howard Johnson. He took the word mothers and he laid it out like this, okay? M-O-T-H-E-R. M is this. M is for the million things she gave you. O only means that she's growing older. T is for the tears she shed to save you. H is for her heart of purest gold. E is for her eyes with love, light shining. R means right, because she will always be right. Put them together and you spell mother, a word that means the world to me. That's what Howard Johnson said. But did you catch that last R there for mother? It means right, she'll always be right. I'm going to say something, just like us dads, just like us dads, moms, you're not always right. Sorry, don't hate me, please, okay? I'm just the messenger. Because um, I'll admit, as dads, we are not always right. Moms, you're not always right. And it's humbling to admit that you aren't right. And it's humbling to admit that you're not in control. And that you're, it's, it's humbling to admit that you're hurting. It's humbling to admit that you feel helpless at times. But that's okay. It's okay to admit that. I think God honors that when we come before him and finally say, God, in a lot of areas I've been right, okay? In a lot of areas I've been in control, but you know what? I've got to surrender this to you. You have to be in control because you're the one that's right. To all of us, I'm going to say this, to all of us, not just the women in here, seeking God is a humbling experience. It really is. But once we realize that we can come to Jesus, it's no longer an experience. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. A lifestyle is nothing to be ashamed of. It honors God to place him at the center of your life. We need to humbly admit we're not in control. Okay? So let go of the past. We can't change our past, can we? We can't change our current circumstances for the most part, right? We're out of control. Admit it to God. And when you feel helpless and hopeless, just like this woman did, go to Jesus. Place your faith in him. What is he saying? Come to me. Come to me, all you are carrying those burdens. Oh, what are you worrying about that for? Come to me. Bring it to me. Why are you letting that hurt you? Come to me. Bring it to me. The last point I see in this passage is that needy people will often find more compassion in Jesus than in the people of Jesus. Did you hear that? Needy people will often find more compassion in Jesus than in the people of Jesus. These disciples weren't much help, were they? Hey, Jesus, would you just get rid of her? Wow. Those Christians were rough back then. We still can sort of be the same way too, can't we? We're like his disciples. We aren't perfect. We deal with sin. And here's the deal. We're not the answers. We may try to solve the problems, but in the end, we end up creating a few more. Ladies, I just want to tell you this. Men are not your Savior. Your husbands are not your Savior. Jesus is. Jesus is. Bless our hearts, we try. <laughs> we try to be your Savior. We try to help. We try to stand strong. But guess what? We're not your Savior. Jesus is your Savior. It goes for all of us. We were never intended to be the Savior of this world. That was the job of Jesus Christ. So we humbly come to him with our problems, with our hopelessness and with our helplessness. Worship team, would you come forward, please? As I said, this goes for all of us, but ladies, please listen carefully. Ladies, please listen carefully. You have value. I would like all the men right now, just look to the ladies around you. I don't care if it's your spouse, your daughter, whoever it is. Gentlemen, find some, some lady near you and just say, you have value, please. Right now, go ahead, tell them. You have value. 
you have value. Look around. Make sure every lady in here hears that. Ladies, as I said, this goes for you, but ladies, you were created in the image of Jesus Christ. And he wants to be your Savior and Lord. As I studied this passage and I looked at this and I shared with you what I wanted to share with you, there's something that I wanted to say to the very end because I want you to hear this loud and clear. When I study this passage and then I hear different what other writers are saying about it and what they shared, when Jesus left Galilee and traveled to this region, it was a 50-mile journey. 50-mile journey. They didn't have cars back then. Jesus walked everywhere. Think about walking 50 miles. How long it's going to take him to walk to this region? Weeks? Month? Okay. By foot, 50 miles, that's a long journey, and he made the trek. Theologian James Boyce said this, this is the only time in ministry that Jesus traveled out of the Jewish territory into Gentile lands. The only time. Think about this. Jesus went the distance for this woman. The only time he left the Jewish territory, he went 50 miles in that direction to meet this woman who was feeling hopeless and helpless. Came to her. Well, there's other things he did when he was in that area. But he went there. He went the distance for her. Ladies, Jesus has gone the distance for you too. He's gone the distance for you and I. You're still not feeling worthy? He loves you. He wants to relieve you of all those feelings of hopelessness and helplessness. Come to him. Humble yourselves and in faith go to Jesus. He's gone the distance for you. Just respond to him. Honor him. Would you please stand? What a blessing it is to share God's word with you. What a blessing it is to, when I read and study, to look in there and to see things. Uh, to be enlightened myself, to learn. But to be able to hopefully share God's word with you and say, you know, God's word is so awesome. As you read through it and discover things. Sometimes it's very humbling to have to get to this point in time. But, you know, as I've read through and discovered about discipleship, you know when people really change? You know when people really get to the point in their faith when things really change? Is when they get to the point of helplessness and hopelessness and they stop right there and they surrender. That's when they end up going to the next steps in their faith. As they've studied and looked at people in life, they say, people get to this point of being helpless and hopeless and they don't want to humble themselves. They want to just continue to stay in control. They don't like being broken. So what do they do? That's where they stop in their faith. I don't want to touch being broken. I don't want to admit that. And they just sort of revert back over here and they just become just church attenders. They don't become the children of God that they were called to be. If you're to that point of brokenness, of feeling hopeless and helpless, surrender today. Get over that hump. Give it to Jesus. He loves you. Created you in his image. What a beautiful thing, isn't it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a reminder today on Mother's Day that you created some very special people. Lord, I thank you for creating women. How you created them in your image. 
Lord, I thank you for the ladies that are here this morning. Not knowing all their backgrounds, where they've come from, what's going on in their lives, but Lord, I believe there are many women that are in here that have gone through states of hopelessness and helplessness. Some of them might be there right now. Like this woman in Matthew, Lord, I thank you for that picture of saying, I'll go the distance for them. Because, Lord, I know I can't be a savior to my wife. You didn't create men to be the savior. You gave us your son, Jesus Christ, to be the savior. So, Lord, not just the ladies, but for all of us that are here this morning, we all humbly bow to you now during this next song of worship and just say, I need your help. This is where I'm at. I want to place my faith in you, Jesus. No more just knowing about you. No more just talking about you or reading about you. I want to place my faith in you. I'm bringing my burdens to you this morning. So Lord, as we worship you in this song, Lord, we also want to pray to you and just give you it all. We love you, Lord. In thy name we pray. Amen.